Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Especially during the times in which we live in, I think people need levity and encouragement and hope. And I think the best way to handle things that go awry in our lives, I think a good sense of humor is paramount. I really do. And someone with that good sense of humor is our guest today. Her name is Jane Jenkins Herlong. She's a Southern humorist and author, as well as a singer today. She is going to make us laugh. She's going to make us smile. She's going to bring some positivity to us. She's also going to talk about a new book that she's getting set to release titled Sweet Tea Secrets from the Deep Fried South. She's going to also share how we can take that humor and incorporate it with our faith. We're joined today by Jane Jenkins Herlong. She is a Southern humorist, an author, as well as a singer. The the thing that I loved when uh, I started reading about you is how you love to make people laugh. You love to bring joy to people. You love to make people smile. Why? Yes, yes, yes. Because especially during the times in which we live in, I think people need levity and encouragement and hope. And I think the best way to handle things that go awry in our lives, I think a good sense of humor is paramount. I really do. Now, before we get too deep into this, before the interview started, you told us you know the Canadian National Anthem. Uh-huh. How do you know the Canadian National Anthem? Why do you know the Canadian <laughs> National Anthem? Tell us this. <laughs> oh, Canada, my home and native land. That's all I remember. Really. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's enough. You know, that's enough. My home and native land. That's all we need to know. And like with the U.S., oh, say can you see. That's enough, too. That's completely, that's right. that should be it. Well, I was booked to sing at the National Wild Turkey Federation. And um, it is not the beverage. It is the bird, by the way. <laughs> Just for clarity. Of course, if it had been the beverage, I think it would have been a whole lot more fun. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, Edgefield County, where I live in South Carolina, we have the National Wild Turkey Federation. And they have 50,000 people come to that conference at the Opryland Hotel in Nashville. Wow. And so everybody says, I want to speak to the National Wild Turkey Federation. So I'm buying some eggs in the dairy section of our grocery store. And the guy, I know he's the president. He said, hey, you want to sing? I'm like, okay. And that was it. So I had fun doing that. I had what? no idea there was such a thing. So now we know. <laughs> okay. Well, wild turkeys up here, they appear you know, in our cities. And, and we have little Facebook pages that start up um, just following them across the city. But that's as far as wild turkeys get here, uh, at least wow, in Manitoba. <laughs> that is so cool. So we have them too down on our farm in Charleston. And, uh, you know, I don't want anybody to disturb my turkeys because I love them. Those big old male turkeys <laughs> with those beards is just super impressive, you know. So they're beautiful animals. I mean, gorgeous birds. I've had to run away from one in my, in my past. <laughs> one chased you? Are you oh, sure it yeah, wasn't he, an ostrich? Who knows? He didn't like me. That's for sure. Oh, I hopped you in my vehicle a, and hid. Oh my gosh. It really chased you? The, the turkey? Yes. This turkey did not like me. I don't, I don't think. We so were, you were a chicken. That's I was right. a chicken and I uh-huh. ran away. Uh-huh. Gotcha. <laughs> Funny. Uh, okay. Well, you love sharing stories as well. It's another thing um, that you love. You have new. An, a new book coming out. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. It's called Sweet Tea Secrets from the Deep Fried South. And I don't know about y'all, but we're getting an influx of folks from here, there, and yonder, uh, our northern friends. And they're fascinated with 
anything in the South. And so I thought, you know what, I'm going to write a tell-all book and make it a secret. It's not really a secret, but it's just funny, super over-the-top stories from my upbringing in Charleston, which is, we call ourselves the blue blood, you know, of the South, of course. And so just all these funny things that I had to learn growing up and crazy over-the-top stories, like I said. So it's fun, it's humorous, and it's biblically based. It's got little takeaways uh, from the word of God, which I do love to connect things to Proverbs and just wise, godly statements and with stories to back them up. That's kind of what our show is all about, uh, talking to people about their everyday lives, but how God connects and appears to everything, right? It doesn't have to be just in worship, but in every aspect of our life, we can see God at work in different and unique ways, even how a Southerner speaks maybe, right? Oh, sure. <laughs> and you know, speaking of that, one of my favorite stories is about Lib Stedman, who would pray before she would go out every day and pray for a parking spot at the mall, that God <laughs> would bless her. And I mean, we always thought, really, Lib? But golly, y'all, next to the handicap, she was there. It was unbelievable <laughs> how God opened that parking space for her. And so I told my mother about it. And Mama said, yeah, right. And I said, well, let's just pray about it. So we go in the mall, of course. And there's the parking space. And Mama kept calling them. There's a Lib. There's a Lib. After <laughs> Nice. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, God is involved in every aspect of our lives. If we just let him be involved, it could be as simple as a parking space. Yeah. That's such a great point. So often we might think like, oh, God doesn't care about this piece of my life, right? I've got to take care of this myself. But yeah, that's the first furthest thing up from the truth. He, he wants us to be fully dedicated to him and he wants to be fully involved in our lives. Huh? Well, the worst, the worst is when someone says, oh, he's just too busy. He's just yeah. too busy. No, he's not. You know, if you take time for him, he'll take time for you. In this book, you also discuss covered dish church culture. <laughs> tell us a little bit about that. I didn't fit in. I can tell you that right now. That <laughs> dog did not hunt, point, or get off the porch with me. But um, <laughs> I would tell my children, y'all just take a little smidge of my casserole so people will think it's good and talk <laughs> about it, you know. So I would always get relegated to the table of, well, if we run out, we'll go there. So yeah. I just called it a covered dish church catastrophe. But the good thing was my initials are JH. So I put that on. I learned. I learned to trick people. And then my mother-in-law, who was an incredible cook, her name was JH, two initials. And so was my <laughs> aunt, JH. So I put JH. And I'd, every time I'd pick up an empty dish, it was fabulous. I love it. I, I lied. Uh, I basically lied at the church <laughs> fellowship hall. <laughs> I was a pastor for a number of years. And so like a good pastor, you let everyone else go first in the potluck line. Right. But then yeah. that always meant by the time it was my turn, it was only the gross stuff left. So <laughs> he learned to grin and bear it. <laughs> God bless you. When you get to heaven, you're going to have a royal feast. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Tell it. What was it like growing up in the South for you? And what were some of your life experiences? Well, my daddy was a farmer. He did not even finish the 10th grade, but he was a very smart man and he was a hard worker. So we lived on in a tenant house, no kidding, on a pretty big size farm. It was a lot of different farm families coming together, though. And daddy worked super, super hard. And then my mother was always very funny. And so, you know, we were the kind of kids we'd get up in the morning and I'd take off with my little dog and they wouldn't see me all day. I was just exploring, jumping ditches, going to see my grandparents. 
it was a lot of fun. It really was. And I think uh, my imagination grew and I love the country, still do. And so when I turned 11, daddy was able to buy a beautiful piece of land. And so that's where we are in Charleston now. We still maintain that property, although my parents are deceased and it's still a working farm. So I'm so proud that we can hold on to it. So it was fun. You also went down the road of pageantry growing up as well. Tell us a little bit about that and a little bit of the of the struggles leading up to that? Well, when I was in the first grade, my parents very wisely put me in the C-section for the bless your heart crowd. Like (laughs) There was no D. Let me just put it like that. And so then one time I saw my IQ and it was so low. It was pathetic, but I just dreamed big. And I just decided, you know, with God, all things are possible. So I prayed and I was attracted to the pageant world. I certainly didn't have any money to enter it, but it helped with scholarships. I actually went to graduate school on my pageant money. And it was a way for me to be honest with you all. It was everything I wanted to become, but I wasn't. But the Miss America system offered communication skills. And I do believe anybody successful in life has great skills, Um, a a chance to understand how you need to take care of your bodies. And that's physical fitness, which is swimsuit. And then uh, gown is just the way you carry yourself and and how you dress and talent. Everybody has talent. You need to find it and give it back. So with those qualities that Miss America expressed in the training system, it was just perfect. So it's taken me to the next level in my life. And I'm very grateful for that opportunity. I'm not a real quote unquote pageant girl, but I'm a tomboy, but it just, it worked really well. And I, I was, I think the Lord was just really blessing me with opportunities to go to Miss America. It was great. That's really interesting. And you mentioned grad school, but it sounded like you, like you had a tough time in school as well, didn't you? So how did you get to grad school from, from struggling with school to all of a sudden you're doing and working on a master's degree? Well, I, I really prayed hard and I worked hard. I picked tomatoes in the summertime to help my daddy help me. And I didn't get into the colleges I wanted. And I talked my way into a small Methodist women's college and uh, they let me in and put me on academic probation. And my favorite expression is, you take the word no and go and think next. I never huh. look at no, I look at next. And I just kept pushing and pushing. And um, it just, it, it, it happened. Nobody can tell you what's inside of you. Only God knows that. So we just keep trying to push the boundaries. And that's what I did. But it was tough financially, mentally, physically, the whole deal. But I, I achieved that. And I mean, that's just a story in itself as well. Again, another thing that just, keeps coming up and I keep noticing about you is just how positive you are about everything. It doesn't matter if it was a struggle, there's a positive in that struggle. How do you keep that going? Well, Colin, I think we have to retrain our brains. I really do. I mean, you can sit around and feel so dang sorry for yourself and have the best pity party. And you know, those only one person attends and that's you. And, or you can just say, you know, how can I spin this into a positive way? How can I make my mess a message? Uh, how can I take my pain and make it gain? And it hadn't always been easy for me uh, for, for in many ways. I had family issues with my siblings. My brother has a drug addiction and my sister died prematurely. She had issues. But, you know, I'm a student of people. So I would look at them and I think I'm not living my life like that. The dysfunction starts right here, right now. And you take a hit, but that's OK. God is good. And he pulls us through. Going back to the book. Tell us a little bit about these 50 stories. How did you choose these 50 stories? 
I love to write and I got an F in writing, by the way, that was another struggle. (laughs) People might read the book and go, yeah, I can see that. (laughs) And so what I did was I started thinking like spiritually, uh, how many times have I accepted Jesus? I lost count. Yeah. You know, I remember Billy Graham crusades and I just walked to the TV. I didn't, I, I didn't attend. I just walked to the TV and knelt down and prayed. You know? And the joke is, well, the Lord saw my heart the first time, you know? And so, but those kinds of things impressed me about, you know, what do people, what is, are people struggling with? And I think a lot of people um, spiritually might be struggling with, am I, am I really in the kingdom of God? And I remember as a child, I didn't understand, but I kept trying to get to know him and for him to come into my life totally. And then other little funny things about how can I be a strong woman in the word of God? And I would read about Esther. And that was my, my third book was called rhinestones on my flip-flops. And it, I wrote a, a section about queen Esther. She's tough, but she was yet beautiful. And I thought, I want to be that. So I wrote a part about my grandmother who had an intruder and she was always sweet little grandmama McElveen. And she had that little lever action rifle and she about blew somebody's head off. <laughs> and, um, and we heard her say, get off my porch. And I thought, there's a man in the house. And grandmama McElveen with her Clairol blue hair, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is a shade of Clairol blue. There just has to be. And so little grandmama with her rifle. And then we heard this, you better get off my porch or I'm going to kill you. And then we heard, y'all okay, darling, to my sister and me who were spending the night with her. And so I thought, man, you know, she handled that incredibly well. So I started writing about funny things like that and and crazy little stories about what our parents expected of us. And it, it just got to be more and more funny as, and also I have a person that has my off sense of humor, which that's the key word off sense of humor. <laughs> so he would look at what I wrote and think, Oh, let's put this in there. And went, Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. So I'll never write another book without having a set of eyes on it that has, has my personality and humor and gets it a little bit on the <laughs> offside. That's a good, great idea. Uh, and actually even like so often we want to do things and do it ourselves. Right. And it's fine the way it is, but still to get that input from somebody, even if they think the same as you at least get their eyes on it and they can provide you with feedback and stuff. And that's so true. And I mean, one of the lines that Eddie Jones put in there for me was story is how we speak in the South. Hmm. And that led to me starting to do theater shows. I call it sweet tea tunes. And so I, you know, have a porch. And I sit on the porch and, and talk about family. And then I tell funny stories about my cousin Teta. You know, we, we got the cousin thing going down here. I don't know if y'all <laughs> know what that is. But my cousin Teta, I'll tell you that kind of funny little story. She was a tough lady, but she was brilliant. But she taught school for 42 years. And this is true. And uh, a, a parent came up the very last day of school and had their fist in her face and said, Lady, I got a good mind to knock your teeth down your throat. <laughs> And she said, I'll save you the trouble. She took out her dentures. <laughs> uh. And that's true. And hey, yeah, Mike, you'll like this one. I um, I had um, a family member of mine that hooked up the mule ancestors, of course, <laughs> long time ago, going to the, the Presbyterian church, but they were members of the Episcopal church. But for five years, they went to the Presbyterian church because the mule wouldn't take them down there. <laughs> And so a big old bolt of lightning came out and just startled the mule. And that's why he turned into the parking lot. I mean, whatever you want to call it, the mule lot of the (laughs) Presbyterian church. So they stayed there. 
and they and just then, stayed you there. Know, finally, five years later, they ended up back to their church. <laughs> and the thing that changed was they got a new mule. <laughs> <laughs> there, so, well, there's a lot of lessons you could take from that. Oh my hey? gosh, I, I tell people that. I said, y'all need a new mule. Don't go raising your hand. Because I speak to associations and corporate events as well as churches, too. And then the theater stuff is fun. Just I'm thinking like Jesus's ministry, right? And I mean, yeah, he taught about the scripture and what the Jewish First Testament said, right? But he told stories a lot to the people, right? He sat with them oh, on yeah. mountainsides and under trees and, and he sat there and told stories. What, yeah, it just seems to connect in a different way for us, doesn't it? So true. I mean, I've got the opportunity because I'm a singer. I, I am the choir practically in our little tiny church, but <laughs> I'll see the minister and you know this to be true. And when the minister says, you know, when I was a little girl or when I was a little boy, people straighten up. I mean, you can see the body language. People are drawn to stories. They love stories. And Jesus always had applicable stories. And that's what I try to do. in in when I when I do my presentations, I look around and think, what story can have a biblically based takeaway? And mm-hmm. my favorite is a merry heart do is good like a medicine. But the rest of that is a crushed spirit will dry your bones. And that is that energy vampire, you know, hmm. it, it can just hop on you. Yeah. That's that crushed spirit. We've got to fight the crushed spirit. It's basically looking at things in a whole new perspective, something that we quite often don't want to do. Oh, that's so true. And, uh, you know, we all struggle with that. I mean, during all this uh, people staying inside and I mean, like my, my best friend right now has COVID. And so, um, you know, what, what is my role? Well, my role is to call her, pray for her and take her food. Mm-hmm. I put it in her yard, but you know, I still, <laughs> I'm not going in that house. <laughs> That's so great. There's always something we can do, right? Oh, I'm telling you if we just, and I have friends that have that ability just to, to think ahead. And I, I love that. That's such a, to me, that's a spiritual gift of helps when you just know what to do when. And so I think, you know, if you can just spread your joy to other people and be kind and be considerate and, you know, I'd rather see a sermon than hear a sermon any day. Hmm. I want to see Christ in people. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't tell me about it as much as I want you to live it. There's a balance there. Sweet tea secrets from the deep fried south for those who have had the opportunity to read this. What has the response been like? Oh, it's been wonderful. In <laughs> fact, I went to the Messiah with my husband's the president of the symphony. And um, so I was, it really, it is in another bigger town than, than our town. So I, there were all these women behind me and I knew they were from the North. And I said, oh, these Yankees are going to eat up this book. And my husband <laughs> said, do not show them that book. We're in a religious Messiah. I said, okay, because I did it anyway. <laughs> and so the whole time they were handing it back and forth down the aisle behind them. They're going, when's it coming out? And I said, the spring, the spring. And my husband kept nudging me, you know, but I was so excited. I'd just gotten the book. I had to share. And now as here in Canada, I'll have the opportunity to look into it. If we want to learn more about you, we want to learn more about the book. How do we go about doing that? Well, you can go to janeherlong.com, H-E-R-L-O-N-G, and, and it pops up and you can pre-order it. We haven't, the supply chain issue is a little bit affecting us, but not so much. It's coming. It's there. <laughs> I've gotten the first copy and it's really so well done. It's hard copy, uh, hard cover rather the inside of beautiful pictures of the low country and it it is just a gorgeous book and the cutest part is it's got a little tea bag 
that's slanted with a little stain on it. And after every story is a sweet tea secret takeaway so you can learn to be the best version of you. Thank you for making time for us. We really appreciate it. Oh, this was fun. I do appreciate it so much. God bless y'all. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Remember, if you want to listen to this full conversation again or to any of the other conversations that we've had on Connections, you can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hibb. You can find that at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.